friends. Energy is affecting the whole group. Temperatures are rising. If it hasn't been resolved before we walk into that room, we are going to blow up. I will fuck shit up so bad. You know how powerful I am. That's a big fucking life. It seems I've been stepping on toes. I don't like Louis. He talks too much. Don't annoy me. Wow, what a miss. I legit don't know if this is real or not. Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood, but most importantly, Bryce, yeah. that was so on the nose for a reality thing that I would believe you... Uh, it passed the Turing test. I don't know if that's a parody of a reality thing or an actual reality thing. It's an actual reality thing. So that was a clip from the upcoming second season of Young, Famous, and African, a Netflix reality series that follows 10 famous friends in South Africa. And, and it is pretty typical docudrama uh, fair, you know. They're all friends, but... We're the it, biggest celebrities in Africa. Yeah. Uh, this is going to go down south. Yeah. Africa it can go down south. That, that's right. That's a uh, season two coming May nineteenth on Netflix. It's uh, already got season one up there. Uh, okay, we've got enough distance from Tom's joke. Uh, Justin it, Robert Young coming in live <laughs> with a report on whose response was more problematic, Brian or Tom's. It's Justin Robert Young. Uh, it looks as if Tom has made himself the biggest ass of cord killers. <laughs> what? Because she said she said she had the biggest ass in Africa in the clip. Oh, That's she did. Favorite. That's right. Wow, this is yeah. a call. This is what they call a callback. This call just in, Bryce. Justin Robert yeah. Young with a joke nobody got that made him <laughs> the biggest ass on Cord Killers. I think I have the people. I have. I don't know. Justin's I have Africa on my side, my friend. <laughs> uh, well, Justin Robert Young, it's lovely to have you with us. Uh, if you don't mind, could we go to the primary target? Oh, please do. There is but one story when you sit in a booth at an Italian restaurant in the valley that is dominating the talk of Los Angeles, and it is the Writers Guild strike. Uh, the Verge sums it up nicely if you're wondering who to blame. TV shows on streaming services having shorter seasons, residual payments being lower than those for broadcast TV, and the rise of mini rooms, small groups that quickly produce scripts that make writers more disposable. Now, there's also a lot of stuff in this new contract discussion uh, about safeguarding against the future of AI. Uh, that's not really the reason for the strike. That's more of a while we're at it kind of stuff, but it is also uh, becoming more and more of a focus. Writers' rooms usually start to come together in May, and writing in earnest starts in June for the following seasons. That's probably, well, they're certainly not coming together in May. Uh, that's probably not going to happen in June. So basically, Autumn is inevitably going to be delayed if this lasts more than a month. That is, according to Christine Becker, professor at Notre Dame, who told this to Deadline. Uh, so you've got a longer leverage period than you did in the 2007 writer's strike, which happened from November through February. It was 14 weeks over the winter break. You've got a longer summer break, so it's possible that this drags on longer. WGA wants writers on staff to get at least three weeks per episode, up to maximum of 52 weeks of what is called post-greenlight rooms. That's to combat those mini rooms. Uh, the AMPTP rejected that. Uh, some streamers get all their scripts before green lighting. Uh, so they, they were like, that, that's not going to work for us to go 52 weeks, you know, and when we've greenlit a long time before that. WGA also wanted minimum staff for these post green light mini rooms. Uh, we're going to talk about three things here. First, we're going to talk about how this is going to affect various platforms, various broadcast networks and streaming services. We're going to talk about how it's already affecting a, a few of the shows that you know and love. Uh, and then we're going to talk about what we think is going on with all of this, and that will be the bulk of us. So let, let's start with the practical stuff. Variety did an interesting article ranking how the different platforms are affected uh, from Amazon, for instance, being medium affected uh, because people are less likely to unsubscribe because they subscribe to Amazon Prime for other things. Uh, and Netflix being less affected because it has global content that it can rely on that's not affected by the writer's strike in the United States. Disney, Apple, 
uh, Fox and Paramount all highly affected because they rely so hard on scripted stuff. Uh, and NBC Universal medium <laughs> variety phrased it very nicely, but basically because Pe- Peacock doesn't have any hits, uh, so they're less affected. And then Warner Discovery uh, low to medium because they have so much reality, uh, thanks to the Discovery merger into that. Uh, real quickly, uh, Brian, what do we think of the platform impact of this? Well, uh, and I think the platform impact specifically is a really interesting take on that, because that's a question we didn't have the privilege of asking back in 2007. So in this case, it almost makes me wonder if this whole strike isn't a bit of a sorting mechanism, not for who wants to be in the WGA and who doesn't want to be in the WGA, not for you know whether or not good content should come out, but, but it's almost as though by striking, they're trying to suss out who's willing to play ball by traditional rules of the WGA, like, hey, platforms, Netflix, Amazon, all that stuff, do you want to consider yourself a WGA kind of platform or do you want to consider yourself more of a YouTube kind of platform? Um, uh, I, I, I don't have an answer for that, but I encourage everybody to write us at cordkillers at gmail.com. Justin, what uh, about you? I, I thought it was interesting that Netflix has a little bulwark against this because of the international aspect. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's, it's interesting. Uh, a few things to realize about the strike. This was supposed to happen in 2020 and it didn't because of the pandemic. They kicked the can down the road because of that. And I think in another world, the writers would have been far more excited to strike a bargain back then than they would now, obviously pandemic not included, largely because the the landscape of entertainment and Hollywood was a lot more settled in 2020. We were still racing upward and upward and upward of how many subscribers Netflix could get and therefore everybody else below them that had started later in the race. When Netflix hit its subscriber ceiling, that's when all of Hollywood uh, essentially kind of just moved into another phase because the promise of streaming making up for so much of their other revenue now went away. I say all that to say this. If that glass ceiling had not been hit by Netflix, then the writers would know and actually be able to make their deal projecting out for the next however many years that they'd like to make a deal based on that idea. They can't anymore. And that's the reason that this is going to be messy and it might take a long time to suss out because however greedy fat cats you believe the producers in the studios are, let's also add to that that they don't know exactly where their money's going to come from or who they're going to work for because of all the people that you just laid out, Tom, would you be totally shocked if all those companies are named those names in another two years that we're not going to see con- uh, consolidation or that we're not going to see a, a, a return to Hollywood form that a lot of these companies are going to just make television and license it to platforms as opposed to all of them being their own platforms? Th- there is a, a very rocky terrain that you have for this WGA strike, and and that's... Uh, I mean, again, alternate history. I think this would have been a productive and and profitable strike for the writers in 2020. And I think that 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 is a a missed opportunity because of the pandemic. And, because now now things are dicey. Uh, Tom, uh, but but before we get your full take, uh, uh, let me remind the listeners that uh, we've talked about the fact that the strategy for Netflix seems to have uh, expanded to its maximum limit in the United States. And now their play appears to be to find increasingly small niches within the United States to fill and outside of the United States begin their global domination. Uh, Turns out both dollars spend equally well. So it it, it does make sense. And I liked uh, Justin's metaphor of hitting a glass ceiling. And now all of a sudden it's like the writers don't feel like there's infinite growth in the United States. The only thing I'll add is uh, if you're watching these uh, from your comfortable armchair, these negotiations, uh, keep in mind those uh, estimates that Variety put. Uh, When you're seeing who's panicking and who's willing to come to the negotiating table and who's dragging their heels and keeping an agreement from coming, 
it's the companies that are less affected, like Netflix and Amazon, that will yeah. be able to hold out for a better deal. Uh, here's how it's happening, a few, ha affecting a few shows that we have watched here on Spoiler in Time and, and elsewhere. Uh, production on season three of Hacks has stopped down during the writer's strike and will not resume until the strike ends because they do a lot of writing on set. Uh, they they do a lot of you know dusting up the scripts uh, to to fit the scene as it unveils on the set. So they're that's just the way they work. They're not going to do that. House of the Dragon season two, on the other hand doesn't do a lot of improvising uh, when you got that many effects. They had all their scripts in, so we'll continue production during the writer's strike. Now, they it's not like they never do on-set uh, script revisions. They will not be able to do on-set script revisions, at least not with writers from the WGA. Um, and that is one of the reasons Game of Thrones spinoff The Hedge Knight, which was still in the writer's room, has stopped work altogether because it hadn't even got to shooting. And finally, Andor is continuing production since all the scripts were written, but writer-producer Tony Gilroy is now in the position of continuing his work as a producer. So he can do casting and sh shot selection and, and site uh, approvals, but he cannot go on the set and script uh, tweak. He cannot change a line or do this or that, or he would be in violation of his WGA. So that's kind of a tightrope to walk for him. Do, do you think that, uh, actually, as I'm saying these words, I realized everybody is probably afraid right now to be caught on the wrong side of a, of, of, of a, a moment of brinksmanship. I guess you would be careful on set and you wouldn't do something so brash as to, as to say, Oh, I don't know. Maybe say it this way using a different set of yeah, words. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the norms like are writing, around that right? stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's that 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 tends to be something that is not only a mechanical decision but also a political one to make sure that you are not even getting close to that line if you're if you're Gilroy. But by the way, when we are saying that certain shows are continuing in production. That is from the studio's perspective. What we have seen is Writers Guild picket lines try to disrupt a lot of those uh, a lot of those productions. They're, they they were uh, uh, very happy to have shut down Wonder Man, I believe, uh, which was a, a Marvel series that they were shooting. And part of the way that they can do this is as long as you have a picket line out in front of where Teamster trucks would come in, it is Teamster rules that if there is a picket line with more than two people, they will not cross it. That means that vital elements of a shoot cannot get in. That means that the shoot cannot happen. Now, whether that happens out in Belfast or, or wherever that they're shooting House of the Dragon, who knows? But a lot of stuff that happens here in the United States, especially in Los Angeles and New York, where a lot of writers have a lot of time on their hands. Uh, uh, there, there is further uh, disruption here. And that is a deliberate thing done by the WGA to make this hurt and hopefully, in their mind, bring a solution faster. What does a solution look like that will make everyone happier? Uh, because you and I, Justin, and I think you may have spoken about this on DTNS, is that maybe the amount of money being paid isn't the line they should be fighting for. If you were to advise them, maybe there was another line that they should hold. I am not going to publicly dare go on any platform and tell the Writers Guild of America what they should or should not okay. want. That is that is collectively understood amongst them. And uh, uh, again, uh, uh, trying to pick a fight with a bunch of board writers on Twitter is not my idea of a good time. So... Uh, what I will say is this, the landscape of television has changed. And since the last time that they had a major fight with this, uh, with, with, with the studios, the, the, a lot of things have changed. Like what Tom said before, these shows have gotten shorter. They have tried to make them with smaller writer staffs. There is... Uh, there was an element of, well, we're experimenting and a lot of different things can happen. Well, the experiment's over. Everybody knows what the basic outline of Hollywood looks like, although the writers wish it was probably a little bit more solidified. Now's the time that you say a writer's room is this many people. It gets employed for this many shows. And, and that's, that's how they go forward. I would, I would say that I do think the, the bread and butter issues that, that the Writers Guild always fights for, specifically you know, the, how much time and how, many, how, how much staff, how much they can get paid at the low end. 
that's the stuff that they should absolutely bear down and fight for. I do think that some of this AI conversation is a little bit of a smokescreen because I don't think either the studios nor the writers have exactly a good sense on how they will use it or how it will affect Hollywood going forward. It's a great headline grabber, if nothing else, yes. right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's headline soup, right? Like just mix in, uh, uh, you know, all, all the things that make people click and, and there we go. Hey, you know who's good at writing headlines? Writers. Yeah, right. Actually, editors usually write headlines. Uh, yeah, that's, fun, that's fun true. Fact. But, but yeah. you know. Much to uh, the chagrin of writers. They also oh, decide well, the title of books. Writers, writers get blamed. Of writers and editors. Yeah. But, right, yeah, writers get blamed for every headline. That is yeah. a fact. But uh, a writer that's on strike could probably ta uh, know what goes into a good headline, if nothing else, from, from experience, right? Um, anyway, I... I think that this is not so much about amounts of money. I think that's a common misconception I see with people outside of the industry talking about this. Uh, it's not, we want to get paid $5 an hour and they're only wanting to pay us $3 an hour. This is about when do we get paid? When are we working? What are our hours? Uh, yeah. And then what is the rate for for those? It, it's a lot more complex than just just a dollar sign, I think. What, what are the, one of the things I, could not wait to talk to both of you about was the, the questions of what's different this time from, oh my goodness, 15, 16 years ago, 2007? Yeah. Oh seven through 08 was the last trick. The last so, big uh, one. Well, you basically had the, the, the victory of cable assured, right? And so the, the writer strike was about new revenue coming from DVD sales and Blu-ray sales to some extent, but, but a lot about the, the growing amount of money that would be coming from online sales on, on platforms like iTunes. Uh, and, and the idea that there would be a bunch of money coming in from them and they didn't want to get uh, left out. That was a big part of it. This time it's, very similar in some ways because it's about streaming revenues and the fact that there was no norm for streaming revenues versus the typical syndication revenues. Uh, but also it's quite different because streaming is everything. Whereas online video rentals and sales were just at the beginning in 2007. And, and here's, here's the bizarre thing is that streaming in two years may not be streaming now. Like the, 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 the entire world of streaming had been built on the idea that you would have your own walled garden. And there is enough money out there with the dissolution of the cable bundle that people will come over and sign up for multiple different platforms. And to a certain extent that happened, but it didn't happen forever. And it has not continued in a way that makes it think that you will grow from here. Indeed, you get the sense that things will consolidate. You have already seen, and this is something fascinating, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery has already gone through their cataclysm, at least one of them, probably the biggest, and that is the formation of this new company. They have a better sense of, you want to know what? We're going to license DC Animation to Amazon because we believe we can make more money doing that than we could putting it behind our paywall. There is a high likelihood that not only after the strike, but I suspect during it, if the studios want to bleed this longer, all they have to do is start licensing content that has been unseen on other platforms to other platforms to have it be something special or interesting that would make their subscribers largely ignorant to the WGA writer's strike, okay with the fact that they are paying their monthly dues. I, I, I think that there is, there's a big, big, big change coming, and, and we might even see it play out in this strike. So... Uh you, you bring up one of the three things that uh, are very, very different from 2007, one of which is we are much more, as Americans, uh, coming from a podcast in America, we are much more comfortable seeing international content. We, uh, we, we have experienced the Squid Games phenomenon and so on. Uh, second of all, you know, there is the looming shadow of AI. Who knows what that's going to look like? But there also is, in 2007, YouTube and independent content uh, content was like two years in. I think the biggest thing that 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 came out of that time was uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, which uh, there's there's dare I say a richer vein of independently owned content now. If we were to speculate wildly about whether or not this strike would last longer or shorter because of all the different ways that both the audience has matured in appreciating 
a diversity of different types of entertainment, but also the amount of entertainment that is owned outside of the traditional, as, as Justin and I love to call it, the monoculture. Um, I, I think the track record of porting things directly from YouTube to television has not been great. It has been fairly spotty. Uh, whether or not that's the case in this scenario, uh, uh, we, we will see. Certainly it is the the law of the land when it comes to studios during these strikes that they will try to find any kind of content that their audience has not seen. So uh, get ready to hear a lot of Canadian accents uh, on, on broadcast television. That's one of the tricks that happened last time was that Canadian produced uh, television all of a sudden had a home on major, cape, major broadcast networks. Uh, but you're right, Brian, the landscape of YouTube specifically has changed. I could very much see some networks taking swings at saying, hey, let's let's look at re-edited content. Let's look at repackaged content uh, to, to just, again, get something new, get something that is that has not been seen by the audience in front of the audience's face, possibly. I think another part of this particular aspect of it that will be interesting to keep an eye on is that the audience has more choices than they did in 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, it. In 2007, and certainly in 81 and 88, uh, all you had to do to weather the writer's strike as a broadcaster was find some stuff to put on the air. The audience was going to show up. They had nowhere else to go. Uh, you turn on the TV and you watch what's on TV. Now, if a platform, especially a cable TV network, but, but even something like Amazon or Netflix, were to package stuff up and put it up in front of people and say, ah, this... This is from YouTube, but we've made it better. Uh, the audience may not bother with it because they can just go to YouTube. And I, I wonder how many people can be entertained by something like, oh, I would have never found that because YouTube is so vast, right? Uh, which I think it would be the gamble in doing something like that versus the number of people who were like, well, I was kind of watching more stuff on YouTube anyway. Maybe I'll just watch YouTube all the time uh, during this writer strike because there's nothing I want to watch over there. Maybe, uh, and I would put Twitch in that too, you know, that there yeah, is yeah, yeah. A, a lot of just like, if there's one thing that Twitch does well, it's innings eat. Like there's just, there's always somebody doing something on that site. So uh, including us right now. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we're just in unknown territory. That is my biggest fear for the WGA right now is that we are in unknown territory in, uh, about the thing that the studios care about the most, which is, do I have a job? Do I have a business model? What is my job and my business model going to be in three years? Because I think every industry expert believes on some level, we are going to either see consolidation or we are going to see studios say, you want to know what? Uh, 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 maybe I don't need to plus my Paramount. Let's just do old Paramount, which is make shows, put it on the certain networks that we have, and then license it to everybody else and make a lot of money. That that was a tried well, and true. What's what Sony's already model. doing? That 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 yeah. Sony's already there. So how how many others are going to do that, or how many others are going to become the arm? of another company that does that. When you talk about Paramount, exactly. I'm like, oh, somebody's going to buy Paramount and then they will use yes. Paramount to create stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but that, but again, it's like right now, Paramount is its own thing. Like, so, like, and and they're, they have a seat at the table in this particular discussion and they're uh, got to be looking at themselves saying like, okay, I, I don't know. I don't know which one of you guys is going to be my boss tomorrow. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I, here's an idea I'm going to give away for free. And if you think it's a good idea, let me know uh, at the Cord Killers email. But David At Attenborough's voice, instead of talking about how snails eat, you know, ants or what have mm -hmm. you, instead it's like, this is the story of Twitch streamer so-and-so. <laughs> And then we find out how they had beef with so-and-so. And then it, it culminated <laughs> in this moment or whatever. Just, Who writes it? Just so scripted content. License all of the stuff and then and then and then tell the story of blank. But who writes the story? Content. Who write that script? Yeah. Uh, who, 
I came up with all of this and it's, uh, I sent it to myself in an envelope via Royal Post. So he's going to improv the You're clip just circumventing show. the picket line. <laughs> I was going to say, if uh, it stays outside of the U.S., it might not be subject to WGA, in which case, you know, that, 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 that could work, possibly. Uh, yeah. Or it could be live. It could just be live commentary. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like there's a reason why UK stuff, Canadian stuff, any kind of English language uh, stuff. I think you probably yep. have more of a shot to see Korean dramas, maybe even on on network. I it would not shock me if one of the uh, one of the big networks actually like just took a swing and said, "Ah, Squid Game was fine." Netflix has done Whatever. dubbing on this. What you know? What if Netflix does a partnership with a broadcast network to get some plug out of it? Like you can also watch it on Netflix. Yeah. I think I think there's there's a lot there's there are moves because there's more players and because the content boom has been so gigantic over the last 10 years. That's another thing that I do think the writers are going to have to deal with is these guys are going to license to each other. These guys are going to put things on places that, that they have not appeared before. And the and the uh, I I know both Justin and I keep beating banging the same drum, but but yes, they're going to license to each other, and the audience is also going to be watching things they wouldn't otherwise because they can't because they have choices. They're going to yeah. be diving into YouTube. They're going to be diving into Twitch. They're going to be watching Indian dramas and Indian movies and and Spanish language stuff and Korean dramas and Japanese anime and Japanese dramas and all kinds of stuff that they wouldn't have otherwise if this lasts long enough well and, we're, and we're all talking as if this is going to last a long time because it probably will uh, but you know there's a shot that it wraps up sooner and we don't see any of this well and, and that's the next thing i want to speculate on but before that i wonder if like this isn't an opportunity we've talked about how netflix has been pretty steadfast in its commitment to not you know screwing with theatrical releases and the the the, the windowing and that kind of thing i wonder if like Ultimately, they're getting phone calls from programmers at NBC that says, hey, so uh, about All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, what if that were a uh, two-hour Thursday night special? I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, uh, it, that seems like a very easy deal to do uh, with a very good quality thing. Uh, I, I think a lot of stuff that appeared that, that has been subscriber only, right, that you could you could see that appearing on places again that you would otherwise not not see it and i think it, that the studios are incentivized to sell to each other and to license to each other because in this particular case they're all on the same side especially since the people that you might imagine that have hoarded the most exclusive content is netflix they're the one that's probably going to want to stay in this longer than anybody else based on some of the scuttlebutt about it and if they're the ones that have to make everybody else happy then CBS, what do you, how about Stranger Things? Oh, you no, just that, run the, Stranger Things. Yes, that is a really good call. Netflix has the hedge of international content to keep its audience happy. Netflix is the one that benefits most from these mini rooms and, and pre-ordering whole seasons to be written well in advance of actually streaming them on Netflix and doesn't want any of these guarantees of 52 weeks or post-greenlight rooms. Uh, and so, yes, they will do whatever they can uh, to make the other partners in this negotiation happy as they push the deal as far in their direction as they possibly can. That, I wonder if there's going to be curious artifacts, and I, I, I don't want to put any of our friends on the spot, but um, uh, Justin Robert Young has been uh, really encouraging me to buy a digging machine and tunnel all the way to Australia to watch one particular show. And mm -hmm. uh, I started mm -hmm. watching it, and I'm like, this is very good. I wish it was on national television in America, and I don't even mind that they have Australian accents. Uh, I wonder how many people have wonderful programs internationally that are English-speaking that would be very easy to plug into primetime. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's lots. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and indeed, our friends with a coffee cafe in Melbourne, uh, I think that that would be... That would be one of them. I know that that those boys were out in L.A. recently talking about a, a, an international distribution deal. I would imagine that licensing it, licensing Australian content that's well liked and reviewed, maybe even for Netflix, 
uh, which already did one series with Auntie Donna. I would not shock me if they were just like, ah, sure, whatever. Meep, this already produced yep. uh, 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 next series. Let's let's go ahead and do it. That would make a lot of sense. I think you're going to see a lot of it. And the creativity that exists now is more than it's ever been. And, and Tom, you, uh, uh, I forget if it was Tom or Brian that made the point, like also specifically with theatrical movies, theatrical movies that have been made as streaming exclusives or, or shows that were just streaming exclusives. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, there, there's a lot of them. I mean, I would tune in for a one night, you know, glass onion on a Thursday night on MDC or what have you. I would mean, you? I wouldn't because I don't have yeah. watched broadcast television and like, except for football. I haven't watched broadcast television. I would just turn it on on Netflix where I pay to already watch it <laughs> already at my convenience yeah. minus ads. Hmm. Yeah. Good point. I to, to, to bolster your point though, Brian, uh, I think a lot of people who are used to turning on NBC would be excited of like, oh, it's that glass onion I'd been hearing about, right? Because it's, you know, yeah, more that, likely to be an audience that's not overlapping. That's that's what I was hoping to express, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, before, before we wrap this up, uh, let's all pick which strike we think this will be closest to in length. The 1981 strike was three months the 1988 strike was the longest in Guild history at 22 weeks. Uh, and the 2007 strike was 14 weeks. So 12 weeks, 22 weeks, 14 weeks, 1981, 88, and 2007. Uh, Justin, which one will it be closest to? So let me preface this, that if I were in Vegas and I were setting odds on this, what I would be looking at is... Number one, the priors that I have that I do think this could be long. I do think that this could be a situation. This is Netflix's first time at bat. They are the ones that are the the 800-pound gorilla by all reporting in what they want and how they have used creative uh, uh, relationships with the guild in the past. They they have they they can they have packed up enough that they can siege for a while. However. There is, I believe, in the next three weeks, uh, a possible strike for the Directors Guild and the Producers Guild. If they decide to strike in solidarity, I think the longest Directors Guild strike, uh, in comparison to the ones that Tom just said for the Writers Guild, was 12 hours. <laughs> the, the directors do not strike for long. The directors get the deal that they want to get and then they get back to work usually yeah. and now, the director's strike of 87 was the shortest of all hollywood strikes ever at three hours and five minutes just three hours yeah. long so it, uh, shorter than some movies from famous directors <laughs> that's how long the strike lasts uh i would not be shocked if that brings all this to a head because I do think that the one element of this that we don't know is what we don't know, including the landscape. So I'm going to go in between. I'm going to say that it's the 2007 strike. So uh, closer to the two to the 14 weeks. Okay. The, uh, I, I, so 13 to go. I think that the audience is more uh, steeled to wait at wait out something like this. They've gotten very accustomed to all kinds of alternative ways of consuming their entertainment. They've gotten uh, accustomed to different types of entertainment over the pandemic. So the audience is not like super hungry for writers to get back to work uh, is what I suspect. Um, the uh, a question, where does Quibi's vast library of content sit in all this? It was all Roku finished. Roku has it. Roku uh, has a bunch of it and the rest of it went back to whoever made it. Yes. Because that was the deal. Quibi made extraordinarily writer-friendly or creator-friendly deals where you were able to just own this thing that they'd pay you to make uh, uh, as, as part of the hedge of like, why would you make exclusive content for a platform? Well, because if you're famous, we'll let you own it afterward. And guess what? Quibi goes uh, boots up within uh, uh, six months of opening. And now all of a sudden, all this content is just being owned and, and resold. Uh, so, so in theory, if you're a striking writer who at some point has an electricity bill that you need to pay and you own, you know, that line with bury me with my golden arm, could you license and work out deals on the, previously the, the, written not, not content? You, it, it, 
Yeah, Usually if, it's if the you are studio that owns that, not the yeah, writer. Okay. If if you are the creator that is also a producer that owns that, then yes, yeah. you can get a little taste of anything that's resold. Uh, if you are just the writer, then you got your check when you uh, uh, hit return on "Bury Me with My Golden Arm." That was that. Well, was fourteen when, uh, or twenty-two weeks, Brian. Uh, over fourteen. I'll take the over on fourteen. Yeah. I think I think we're building a consensus here because I'm with you. I look at this and I look at the period of time too. The and the '88 strike started in March, went till August, and then in time for the fall season, they wrapped it up. Now the fall season was a much bigger deal in '88 than it is now, but I think that time still exerts a little bit of pressure. So I think it'll be shorter because it started in May, but it will it will probably wrap up. September ish. So I'm, I'm thinking it'll be a, a little longer than, than the 07 one, but because of the summer break, uh, but not as long as the 88 one. Bryce, would you like to go on the record with a prediction of how long this strike will last? Uh, and also who's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's I, right. I, yeah. I, I'm optimistic that this will be a short strike, especially if, oh, okay. if Good. the director's guild is getting involved relatively soon. I mean, uh, I pre presumably both sides want a deal. Uh, and so they just have to get to there. Yeah. All right. Very the, que the question is if the directors actually there's solidarity and then there's solidarity. Well, there, so, there's like, a scenario where the director's guild reaches a quick agreement and it doesn't impact the writer's guild strike, right? Yep. That it just, yep. it just bolts. Now, now right now, position. everybody's making noises like, no, we're all in this together. We're of all course. fighting the same fight. There's a lot of very, very kumbaya uh, march together, arm in arm talk now. Will that be the case when the rubber meets the road? I remember Every this happening in 07 too, and there was no Directors Guild or Producers Guild strike. And they both got wrapped up and had little effect on the Writers Guild strike. But yeah, you know. and, and again, it's like really the one thing that that is confusing about all this is that in 2007, you knew who the studios were going to be in two years. Yeah, <laughs> and right. now you don't. Tom, it is the weirdest thing. I am looking at a Word document that is totally mm. blank because no writer wrote anything that I'm about to say. But I would assume if this blank document that was not written by anybody were to speak to me, it would encourage everybody who is hearing our voice for these unscripted, unwritten, off-the-cuff, discussion-based podcasts to stay loud, live, and independent. Head on over to patreon.com slash cordkillers. That's right, patreon.com slash cordkillers. It's where you get exclusive access to our after-talk segment where the real sauce comes out. I don't know what that means, but it sounds <laughs> yes. Saucy. That's right. Uh, we we write the show ourselves. So if we were to strike, we would just be striking against ourselves. Well, I don't uh, know that we do much writing, Tom. <laughs> we well, Tom does. Yeah, Brian doesn't. But <laughs> uh, 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 the only written things are the emails, and we don't have any from the WGA, so we're good. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash cordkillers. Let's talk about how to watch. The latest data from Lightman Research shows that 5.9 million people in the United States canceled cable in 2022. Uh, that's up from the 4.7 million that canceled in 2021. Uh, it is uh, accelerating the decline of cable dominance in the United States. Interestingly, those millions of people didn't go to streaming versions of cable like Sling TV. Uh, now, they don't have numbers for YouTube TV, so this is a little lower than it would be otherwise. But those services saw a rise of 370,000 in 2022. So, so even if you throw in a couple hundred thousand for YouTube TV increase, uh, you're still only a, 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 a fraction of the 5.9 million people in the U.S. who canceled cable. Brian, where'd they go? Uh, I, you know what? They went to a place called More Money in Your Pocket. It's a wonderful land, Tom. And in fact, I'm thinking about joining them because I just had to spend a moment thinking, no, I'm not with YouTube. Where do I get my cable? I think it's from Hulu. But here's what I do know for sure. My kids don't watch anything on cable anymore, and my parents aren't arguing with me about why we should have cable so they can watch their sports when they come over. Uh, I I think I'm about done. My, I think I'm about to join the uh, no bundling age old revolution. 
Justin, what about you? Where do you think they went? Uh, yeah, to every other element of uh, entertainment choices. There, we, we lived in a world that was very, very simple not so long ago. I mean, really, I guess it's 10 years at this point, but let's remember that it was only like the 2012 era that ESPN was the most profitable sector of Disney. And the reason why, almost in totality, was because they had the biggest bundle slice. The cable bundle was the money maker in entertainment. We're done with that now. There is no guarantee that the bundles are going to get bigger uh, or at least anywhere close to the size that they used to be with some of these uh, uh, other uh, over-the-air streaming uh, services. So uh, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think that they've gone to YouTube, Twitch. They've Did they go to Netflix, Netflix. And, and stuff like that? Did they go yes. to YouTube? Did they go yes. to Twitch? Yeah, I mean, but no, where, where did they go in the largest portion? Or do you think it was just equal diaspora across all the different things? I I think that, that this is the world that we live in. The world that we live in is you go to the place that gives you what you want. So if you look at your cable bundle and you're like, oh man, all I really want are my sports. Okay, fine. Then go to the places that sell you exclusively your sports or maybe the cable uh, uh, over the air thing that does that. If you're like, I just like watching friends. Then you go to HBO Max and you just turn on Friends every night and and that's that. Like we we don't have any kind of clear through line or migration beyond the idea that you're probably spending money on some kind of streaming platform if you're not spending it on yeah. and over feel, the air. I feel like that's thing. the answer. They went to Netflix yeah. and Disney and well, maybe some of the others. And 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 uh, the only the only top spin I would put on that comment, Tom, is that I think they were already on those, and then that's why I'm saying they just can't. Mm, like I, I think for yeah. a brief while we were. We're all overspending on all of the services mm-hmm. and now we're cutting one and the huh. easiest one to cut is the one that takes up the most amount of money and provides and the so there's least less things money, you can name. There's less money going into the industry, which would then cause the people in the industry to want to fight over who gets to keep what's left. Yeah. I wonder how nasty that fight would get, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody would probably stop working if they didn't get what they wanted. Hey, that's a good script idea. <laughs> well, I wish I could get someone to write it. Uh, let's talk about what to watch and under surveillance. It's not like you're it's all about location, location, under surveillance. Now, it's not like the writers strike and suddenly there's no more television because a lot of stuff is done well in advance. Uh, so we got some trailers. First trailer for Dune Part 2 is out. Paul rides a worm and kisses Spider-Man's girlfriend. Looks great. Coming to theaters November 3rd. Brian, what'd you think? I have no doubt it's going to be amazing. Uh, Look, Dune Part 1 could do no wrong outside of the part that they were very quiet in the marketing about telling me it was Part 1. It was only when I started it that I found out that it was Part 1 of 2 and there was no Part 2. So I'm looking to being made whole. (laughs) Justin, Uh, did you ride the snake? fantastic. I, oh man, dude! Uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna do the worm all the way to the box office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, our our analysis of this trailer is pretty pretty poor because it's just so good. It's like, yeah, I just want to see the movie now. So thanks for the trailer. Uh, first trailer for Neil Blumkamp's Gran Turismo is out. Talks a lot about how different games and real racing are, which seems. It's a little odd after a while for a movie based on a game. Uh, it's supposedly based on true events, but it's very loosely based on those true events. Uh, the general premise is they have people who play the Gran Turismo game compete for the right to drive one of the real cars in a real Gran Turismo race. Gran Turismo hits theaters August 11th. Uh, man, I really wish there was somebody on the panel who played a whole bunch of racing simulator games and would have opinions about what a movie yeah. adaptation. Oh, well, uh, well, well, oh uh, my God, well, Bryce Castillo. Uh, there's what? What? Just, uh, just, part, just I, you know, 500 hours in Gran Turismo. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm not happy about that statistic. That I thought. <laughs> uh, the trailer looks neat. Uh, yeah, it is a lot of like gamers to be, dr- be driving dangerously. But I that is the that is like that's that's the thrill of it. Like like this guy is a esports and a lot of esports driving is very safe and obviously it's virtual. Uh, oh, and it's and it's a big deal to like not crash the car. It is a that's part of the pressure of it. Don't crash a damn car. But it's not yeah, easy don't to drink do. and drive, Justin. <laughs> this one's for you. <laughs> but I, I, I think this is cool. It is a real story. The story is like not crazy. Like there is a guy who was so good at the game. They let him drive a car and I guess you'll find out how good he did. And, 
And there is something legitimate about the fact that driving a car is more physically demanding and certainly physically demanding in different ways and overall more physically demanding than than playing the video game. version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dancing with the Stars left broadcast TV for Disney Plus for a season, but is now headed back to broadcast, airing on ABC for season 32. It will also stream on Disney Plus at the same time. So it was on broadcast, then it was only on Disney Plus. Now it's going to be on both. So uh, this is a, a heavily scripted deep dive into what it's like to dance. No, no, with no. The oh, star. sorry. So this is a reality show where you just dance. Yeah. The the only scripting is what your feet do on the floor. When oh, you dance. oh, but 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 the WGA won't be happy about. Uh, oh. Okay. No, no, no. This is, I mean, this is straight out of 2007. This is old yep. school. Like, there's yep. an element of this that is new school, which is in the past, more behind the paywall, more behind the paywall, get everybody to be happy about what they pay for this online service. Now, oh, no, ABC desperately wants more content. How about we do it at the exact same time? And we try to keep all these boats afloat throughout this strike. So this is very, very similar to what happened in 2007 when we got a lot of reality content. Uh, uh, how much we will get going forward, considering we already are in a little bit more of a saturated market for reality, is is going to remain to be seen. But this is this is very much an old and new flavor of yeah, yeah. strike era stories. I could see Disney doing this without the strike. As a way to be like, you know what, uh, this is a cost efficiency. Now that uh, the 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 right Bob is back in charge, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the is very clearly this was announced on May second. So I, I I think we know what the major motivation probably was. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. Something that we have been watching. Uh, Justin, what about you? Uh, I've been watching Succession. I like Succession. It's a good show. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've been thinking in my head, when is the last time that we had a cast this good? Like, we're, we're just everybody. There's no weak link. I'm kind of excited to see characters talk to each other that haven't talked to each other in a while. This was a, Last week was a great episode for that. Uh, uh, and so, I don't know. I just want to honor the the... Normally, at the end of the HBO shows, when all the... Actors talk about how great they are. I kind of roll my eyes. I, I love them on Succession because I just want to. I, I, I want to throw flowers at my television. It's a great show, and we—that's why we're watching it on spoiler time. So I, I'm right there with you, Brian. What have you been watching? Uh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy three under fairly unique circumstances, and I'm going to reserve talking about it for after talk if that's okay by you. Yeah, uh, same for me. Uh, I also saw Guard. Well, not not as unique circumstances, I guess, but uh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy three, and we'll talk about that in after talk. That's something patrons get. So if you want to hear our opinions on that, uh, be sure to become a patron. I guess what I'll throw on here, in addition, is uh, a reality show that I'm getting on YouTube called One N Two D, which is a, a reality show that takes television shows, Korean reality show. They take Korean drama reality shows, and then they theme. Or, I'm sorry, they take Korean dramas and then they theme the competition around them. So uh, if you remember me talking about the Little Women series, which you can get on Netflix, there was this whole thing in the Little Women series about uh, competing for money and, and whether you were an heiress or just a regular person and these blue orchids that were poison. This reality show gives everybody a briefcase and nobody knows which person is the heiress, which person is regular, and which person has the poisonous blue orchid. And there's there's all these challenges throughout to try to switch briefcases with people without knowing who they are and people making alliances. Uh, and the idea is, in the end, you want to be the person with the most dollars, either because you're the heiress and had a bunch to begin with or you you won enough through challenges. Uh, but, you know, it's, a, it's another version of Mafia basically. And and I find myself watching a lot of these mafia among us style reality shows because <laughs> it's fun to try to guess who's the betrayer. They're the, it's a good formula. They, they had one on TBS recently. That was like a cooking show. It was like a rat oh, in yeah? the kitchen. That was a similar idea. That's a very popular, uh, uh, a, a popular concept of, of the, uh, that, that, that format. Listening to me, uh, broadcast TV, prime time. Do, your, do yourself a favor. Go. Uh, yeah, get yourself some spy shows. Uh, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got a recommendation from Matt 
with a, a semi-viral uh, uh, hit, uh, Matt writes, several of my uh, friends of mine are raving about a new show called Jury Duty. It's as if the creators of Punked watched the Truman Show and said, hey, you know what would be fun? To completely screw with one random dude. Uh, this is uh, streaming on Freevee. Uh, you might have seen clips about this. Uh, uh, this is where... Uh, 12 jurors go into uh, to, to adjudicate a case, but only one of the people on the uh, on the panel, on the jury, uh, does not realize he is on a TV show. Everyone else is an actor or uh, an improviser, and uh, they go through, it's, it's eight parts or so, uh, and they go through the whole court case. They even have, uh, I don't know if you noticed in that, in that trailer there, one James Marsden, uh, the actual guy, uh, and they, they even bring it up a little bit about uh, him being recognizable. So uh, that's Jury Duty. It's streaming on Freevee, and it's not on Amazon Prime, so you actually do have to watch it with ad breaks, which uh, Matt Bat uh, did not uh, particularly love. But uh, they've got eight episodes streaming now, uh, and I don't know that they could make another season of it, but uh, it's there. So check it out. There, there's so much I love about this idea. It reminds me of, uh, I think it was an FX original, the Joe Schmo show back sure. in the day. They did the whole yep. fake out reality thing. It also reminds me of psychological experiments where what they'll do is everybody in the psych experiment will be in on it except for one person. So they'll ask a simple question like, which line is longer? And very obviously one line is longer than the other. And everybody raises their hand on the obviously shorter one. And then people will raise their hand just to go along with the flow. So I'd, I'd be really curious to see how many of those little social experiments show up in here. This sounds awesome. Yeah, check it out. Jury Duty on Freevee, F-R-E-E-V-E-E. -E -E -E. You know. A little, little clarification here. You're, you're not wrong, Bryce, but you can access it through the Prime Video app. I just double-checked. Oh, yeah? You still have to watch the ads. Boo. But they'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, check it out. Thanks. Oh, and if you've got something that we should be on the lookout for, please email it to us. Cordkillers at gmail.com is that email address. Thank you. And will you do us a favor? When you do write it. us at cordkillers at gmail.com, will you please, and I'm sorry that I keep having to say this, use a computer. Do it. Like a bunch of people are just writing it down wherever there's a scratch pad, and then they don't even send it in. Yeah. They, or just they, on we a wall never see somewhere. It. You, yeah, we're not going to see that. Come on, man. And if you need a computer... Hit us up at our friends over at doghousesystems.com slash rogue. Spell it right. R-O-G-U-E. You'll get an extra special bonus SSD, but most importantly, we will get credit for the sale and you will be keeping us in business. That's right, Brian. What other business do you have? Uh, none I could talk about in public right now. You have you have so many podcasts and shows and channels. Okay. You know what? I defer to Justin Robert Young. Okay, do you have anything idea. you would like to promote, Justin? Maybe like a podcast or a show or something. Sure, yeah. There's a uh, recently completed season of Brian and I show uh, World's Greatest Con. Uh, I, it is a season for which we are incredibly proud of. We worked very, very hard on it. Brian uh, does an amazing job. Uh, it follows Project Alpha, the uh, amazing true story that happened in the late 70s and early 80s where two teenagers hell-bent on proving that Serious research into psychic powers could be fooled by magicians did exactly that, culminating in a humiliating primetime special on NBC. If you've never heard of it, uh, trust me, you will love it. If you have heard of Project Alpha, I guarantee you that this is the most authoritative version of that story you have ever heard straight from the mouth of the two boys that did it telling stories they have never, ever told before. Please go ahead and check it out. World's Greatest Con, season three, available in its entirety. Bingeable, baby, now. Do it. Do it right now. Do it. I, uh, I third that sentiment. Go check it out, folks. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Now, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if Amazon consulted with Justin Robert Young before they made this announcement today, but an Amazon announced it will start selling some of its Prime Video Originals through the Amazon MGM distribution division that it just created. That includes Marvelous Ms. Maisel, Hunters, All the Old Knives. These shows could start showing up on cable networks, fast services, those free ad-supported services, even other paid streaming competitors to Prime Video. Uh, now, Amazon did license some of its content before, but it was pretty limited. So setting it up with a devoted department staffed by MGM vets who are experienced in licensing is a much more serious commitment. 
Uh, also, Amazon's free ad-supported freebie service will add more than 100 Amazon original series and movies from Prime Video to its version of the service over the course of the year. And Amazon began rolling out free ad-supported Fire TV channels on its Fire TV devices. Meanwhile, Google rolled out some improvements for devices using the Google TV interface for Android TV OS. Remotes should be more responsive. Background apps will go into hibernation to save space and memory and storage. And Google TV devices running Android TV 12 or newer will get them automatically. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav said its streaming business will turn a profit this year. <laughs> All that cost cutting, it turns out they made some money. In past statements, the company had said it expected profitability by 2025. Across HBO, HBO Max, and Discovery Plus, Warner Brothers Discovery increased its subscribers 1.5% on the quarter. They now have 97.6 million. And Paramount Plus reported that it had added uh, 4.1 million subscribers for Q1 for a total of 60 million subscribers. That's without adding Showtime, which will integrate into Paramount Plus sometimes between uh, July and September. Revenue from the Paramount Plus rose 65% on the year. And a few other notes here. Conan O'Brien is launching a fast channel exclusive to Samsung TV Plus made up of 30-minute compilations and clips from his late-night career, stuff I assume he has the, the rights to. Roku announced a new season of The Great American Baking Show and an unscripted comedy featuring Charlie Puth. Yellowstone will end after its fifth season, which returns in November. A sequel series has been ordered. Uh, yet another spinoff has been ordered. Hulu's live TV service is adding PBS and the Magnolia Network. The cast of King of the Hill began table reads for the reboot coming to Hulu. Uh, and then I imagine they quickly stopped them uh, because of the Writers Guild strike. And a 10-episode season two of The Bear has been scheduled to return to Hulu June 22nd. Uh, note there, Bob Odenkirk is going to guest star in that season, according did, to Variety. Did any of you guys get all the way through season one of The Bear? Because I loved the yeah. beginning yeah. very, very much. But but yeah. then it got complicated because there were themes that were too close to home for me. No, I watched it all the way through. It was great. Yeah. I loved every second of it. In fact, I I cannot. I, I'm excited. I'm excited to get to get to watch it again. I uh, I never started it because I don't like food. <laughs> ah, you don't eat food. That's right. I forget that about you. Yeah, no, not a thing. Yeah, it's just not for me. Come on, just man. not your There's thing. No, no, no judgment. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the dispatches from the front. Dear Tom, Brian, and Bryce, writes Russell, on a recent episode, you were talking through some fun evergreen questions. One was about something that would return to again, that you would return to again. Well, Russell wants to tell us something he would return to again. I originally watched all of Babylon 5 on an old iPhone in around 2009. Small screen, fairly low resolution. It was just fine. About a year ago, I thought, this is a really good story. Maybe I'll give it another look on a proper TV this time. Have to say, that did not work out as planned. While the story was good, seeing the sets and effects on a bigger screen made it almost unwatchable. Maybe they'll reboot it or remake it like Battlestar Galactica someday. Until then, I'm going to have to take a pass, sadly. But thanks for the great show and enjoy it every week, Russell. Oh my goodness, Russell. I am so thankful that you logged this in the back catalog of evergreen, evergreen questions. And please, everybody, ask us more of these whenever we want to reach back into the past. Because, Tom, what news was announced this week? Yeah, uh, Warner Brothers confirmed they have produced a Babylon 5 animated film uh, written and produced by J. Michael Straczynski, the original creator of Babylon 5. Setting, cast, release date, and title have not been announced uh, last week, they said it should be announced in a week or so. I'm not sure if the strike uh, has any effect on that or not, but uh, if things go the I, way they usually go, they're going to announce it as soon as we get done recording this episode, and we'll tell you about <laughs> it next week. Uh, I, I actually did make a joke on Twitter, like uh, somebody was very excited, like, I knew it, this is great. And I was like, just in time for the writer's strike, crying emoji. And I was very quickly <laughs> corrected by all the Babylon 5 fans that all of this was locked in the locker just in time for the strike oh i have no doubt that they've got it ready to go whether they're going to make the announcement later is all i was wondering because they they might they wouldn't want to make the announcement too close to the to the strike just for might be a little uncouth yeah uh, might be a little yeah. insensitive well i mean no i i think like let's let's understand them to be self-interested a uh, self-interested party they gotta spread content out if they are that going too. to that yeah. too yep 
Uh, well, Justin Robert Young, thank you uh, so much again. World's Greatest Con. Find it in your podcatcher of choice. Anything else to tell people about before we get out of here? Uh, just that the three of you are pure beings of light, and being around you nourishes my soul. Uh, we are luminous beings, not this crude matter. Thanks for pointing that out, man. Appreciate that. Feel the same about you. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we are live on twitch.tv slash night attack Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will embrace you with our luminous selves next week. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons. All these wonderful names. I'm sorry. Names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra they're, they're scratching our itch. Like, because we're I think addicted. as long as it's consensual, like, we're fine. We're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>